what a world we are living in and what a time for episode number seven. Today we're talking about the current state of the NBA season, the team's decisions to boycott playoff games, what to expect moving forward, and some of the league's young rising stars. I am joined by someone who I have known for a very, very long time. He's in the sport management program at Syracuse University, and he is also the greatest Madden competitor I have ever faced. Needless to say, we've gotten in a few fights over the years. Whether we are annoying our older sisters or having a deep sports talk, it is always a pleasure to be with Zach Haywood. Zach, welcome to Potty Train Me. How's it going, man? Thanks for having me on. Dude, of course. So the NBA playoffs in the bubble have been eventful, to say the least. I think we need to start with the obvious, which is the boycotting games. Uh, When we're recording this today, it is Sunday, August 30th, and game resumed yesterday. The Raptors look like they're on their way to losing game one against the Celtics. But obviously the boycotting games was a big, big deal around the country. Not only did the NBA shut down, baseball suspended for a couple days. So we do this thing called Are You With It, where we usually take a quote from a player, executive, coach, analyst, or something, and kind of give our take on how we feel about it. Uh, This isn't so much a quote as it is an action, but the player is boycotting the games in response to the shooting of Jacob Blake. Are you with it? Yeah, I'm definitely totally on board. Uh, I think anything these players want to do with their platform is a a really good thing. And I'm very supportive. I think it kind of jarred people back to reality when they realized these players don't owe us anything and they're standing up for some social justice stuff that they really believe in. So yeah, definitely on board. Thought it was a cool thing. I am also with it. Of course, I support the players and saying they don't owe us anything is exactly right. I'm really proud of them for using their voices and uniting together, uh, making it so much bigger than basketball. And choosing not to play sends a super powerful message that needs to be heard, which is enough is enough. And we're not doing a good enough job of listening. So I'm not here to say anything profound or insightful because – you know, us being a couple of white men, it's not about that. It's about listening to the black communities and people of color and just saying, we hear you, we stand with you, and change must happen now. And their decision to boycott the games and suspend the playoffs, I think, sent a pretty loud message across the country. You know, we'll see if the playoffs continue now that they've resumed it, but obviously it feels very real and unreal at the same time just with how crazy everything is in 2020 and how crazy it's going to continue to be if we don't have any change at all um you brought up brian erlacher to me earlier in this week and for those who don't know you want to share what brian erlacher's take on this whole thing was yeah, so I, I just saw this quote from him where he says uh brett Favre played the monday night football game the day his dad died, threw four TDs in the first half, and was a legend for playing in the face of adversity. NBA players boycott the playoffs because the dude reaching for a knife wanted on a felony sexual assault warrant was shot by police. So there's a whole lot of things I have I take issue with in that statement, but I just thought it was pretty ridiculous that he would come out, especially during a time like this, and 
first of all, some of the stuff he said wasn't even true. And second of all, that's just not what it's about. I think it's totally tone deaf. And I think he's kind of missing the point here. And it's also just a, a really false parallel. It's a bad analogy. He's comparing like a personal tragedy of Brett Favre playing the night his dad died, which was obviously a, a legendary moment in his career. But this is more about standing up for a cause that you believe in, that people will believe in, social reform. So I just think the analogy was was kind of bad to begin with. But also, guy wasn't reaching for a knife, regardless of maybe some of the, the things he'd done in his life previous before that had happened. I think focusing on the negative aspects of someone's life when we're talking about an unarmed man being shot is just completely missing the point. And I just think it's was pretty tone deaf of him to say. I don't know. What are your thoughts? Yeah, no, I think you summed it up pretty perfectly, to be honest. I was also thinking what a horrible analogy that was. He's comparing yeah. a personal tragedy in somebody's life to larger systemic social justice issues. And we just talked about how this is about saying we hear you and we stand with you because they feel like they're not being heard. And it feels really insensitive to me what Brian Urlacher said, whether he was right or wrong or presenting facts or opinions. I just feel like that goes completely against what the players have been trying to stress this whole time in the bubble. And so, yeah, it was a terrible analogy, but it also feels really insensitive to mm-hmm. talk about a guy who was shot seven times in front of his kids like that. I mean, right, that's right. a pretty traumatic experience. And, yeah. you know, we're really fortunate to, you know, not have had to experience something like that. Yeah, um, I can't, especially with all of his kids being there, them having to witness that. It's terrible. Yeah, and it feels like if you're not angry, then right. you're not paying why attention. Outrage about, right. Why is your outrage directed towards – the transgressions of the guy as opposed to the mur- the near murder of an innocent man, basically. It's like you're focusing on the wrong stuff, man. Yeah, when I'm thinking about my division rivals this week, uh, the Detroit Lions, on one hand, canceled practice after the shooting of Jacob Blake as a way of saying, fuck this, it's bigger than football. Whereas the man who played many, many years for another team, the Chicago Bears, Kind of went the other way on this one, although yeah. credit to the Chicago Bears for yeah, kind of distancing score. themselves from that situation. It's yeah. not so much a stain on the franchise as it is one individual. Right, right. I saw that they they did not support it, and I thought that was good. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, obviously those are the main headlines, but like we said, the playoffs before the shutdown were already pretty eventful And the NBA has done a great job with keeping everyone safe in the bubble. I want to recognize uh, Adam Silver, who there's no bias there because, believe it or not, we're actually not related to one another. Um, But Adam Silver, all the NBA executives, the players, and the people who've been working so hard to make this possible, they have done a great job. I understand some other sports, maybe not so much. Right, yeah, baseball, we're looking at you. Uh, I'm an Oakland A's fan. So I just got, I woke up today and got some news that the A's are canceling their game today because uh, one of their I don't know if it was a player or someone in their organization tested positive for coronavirus. So they're not going to be playing today. It's unfortunate. I don't know how long uh, they'll be kind of out of commission for, but 
I just think the NBA did it right with the bubble, and I don't know why baseball couldn't figure it out. It's going to be tough to cram all these games in, 60-game season. Yeah, I mean, on a lighter note, I would say hopefully the A's can get all of October canceled because that's usually when they uh, kind of fall apart. But right now, they're the dream season. They're extending July and August when they're always the hottest team in the league. Right, right, right. We talked about that. The A's always make their run in one or two months, so – they got off to a good start. They did lose two games of a doubleheader yesterday, but uh, I have faith. I have confidence. They'll get it. They'll get it this year. They'll get it together. Jesus Lazardo is going to lead the way, the young stud pitcher. Yep. Yep. So another one of the main headlines is the freaking Phoenix Suns out of all teams missed the playoffs despite going a perfect eight and zero in the bubble. But first of all, I don't think anybody saw that coming. No, definitely not. Definitely not. I'm a fan of the Suns, though. I like what they're doing. Yeah, I like what they're doing, too. And after the way they closed out that regular season, do you feel like there's some promise here and they're on the rise? Or is this just more of like a, okay, slow down. I don't think they're really that good yet. You know, I actually I actually do think – I don't think they're there yet, but I do like what they're doing. Um, with young. They have a good young core, guys like DeAndre Ayton. Uh, and Kelly Oubre, mm-hmm. who I think have a lot of potential. Obviously, Devin Booker leading the charge there. But I, I do like what they're doing. I think if they can get a couple more uh, veteran role guys, they have Ricky Rubio right now, and he played pretty well, I'd say, this year. But just a few more vets on the team to kind of like lead the way, some guys that have playoff experience. Uh, I do think that they could be a contending team in the next few years. Yeah, and Devin Booker was really, for the first time in his whole career, playing meaningful basketball and clearly showed that he was able to rise to the challenge and that he was ready for the moment. So I would like to see what they do. I'm also really impressed with Monty Williams as the head coach. He's gotten a lot of praise, and rightfully so. So, yeah. you know, it's interesting. I mean, Draymond, uh, our beloved Draymond Green, got oh, fined 50000 for saying, get my man out of Phoenix do you think that Booker should get out of Phoenix or do you want to see what he does with another year or two? Um, I think I, I do want to see what he does with another year or two. Uh, it could be like a Russell Westbrook in uh, Oklahoma City kind of deal, though, where he kind of hangs around and, and tries to win there. And eventually he might have to uh, find somewhere else if he wants to get that championship. Yeah, for sure. And the Western Conference is always exactly. brutal. I mean – if the Suns were in the East, they'd probably be like the three seed next year. Right. Um, just kidding. The East isn't that bad anymore, but for a while they were right. pretty terrible. They had maybe yeah. one other team besides LeBron's team. Yeah, and- I, would, I would even say that the East is, is they've definitely been a lot weaker than the Western Conference in the last several years, but I think they're almost underrated at this point. I mean, yeah, they've got some young potential for sure. I yeah, mean, the even good. the Raptors are obviously good. The Heat. We'll talk more about that later. I think the Heat are really good. Yeah, the Heat have been kind of a pleasant surprise, yeah. I guess, unless you're a Heat hater. Uh, still mad about the LeBron, D-Wade, Bosch era. But flipping back over to the Western Conference, uh, the Portland Trailblazers had a great run. It came to an end last night. But Damian Lillard was playing at a level that was pretty hard to believe. Um Paul George and Patrick Beverly had some nice comments for Dame. And he responded the right way by going on an absolute tear, which included tying his career high of 61 points. 
you have any thoughts on that whole run and Paul George and Patrick Beverly? I love it. I love Dames from Oakland, which is cool. Went to Oakland High. Um, and I just like the way he lets his play speak for himself. He usually doesn't get too involved with the. He, he, he definitely talks a little bit of trash, but he backs it up. And he doesn't really go at guys. He kind of just proves it on the court, which I respect. Yeah, he was, he was going on an absolute tear. Unfortunate that he got injured uh, during this Lakers series, but he had a great season. And I think he's getting the kind of the national recognition that he deserves at this point. Totally. I think if you say he's not a top 10 player right now, then you're just in denial at this point. So, yeah, Dame definitely held his ground and he lets his game speak for himself. Uh, He's so clutch and so tough and such a great leader. He's been doing it for years now, and I'm really happy to see him just get better and better and elevate to a new level each year. And honestly, what he was doing in the bubble, it was kind of hard for me to even believe in process. Like I think Steph is the only other player in the last decade who I've watched and just been completely enamored and mesmerized like that. Like obviously LeBron and KD are amazing players, but they're also built different. Right. And so it's a little easier to understand on some level, but mm-hmm. what Lillard was doing was it was so fun to watch. Uh, right. It's hard not to root for an underdog. Yeah. Another underdog who came from a small school is his counterpart in the backcourt, CJ McCollum. I got a question for you. Do you think yeah. CJ McCollum is the best player to not have an all-star appearance? I think, I think he actually might be. I think that's a good take. Uh, I was trying to think of guys that hadn't made an all-star. Devin Booker made it this year, so he couldn't be in that list. Um, so yeah, I'd probably go with CJ. Aside from him, uh, I would maybe say Lou Williams, maybe Mike Conley. I know those guys are a little older now, but both very good players. And uh, all-time guy I kind of think of sort of in the the mirror of Lou Will is uh, Jamal Crawford. Three-time six-man of the year, uh, elite bench scorer for a lot of teams. Never made an all-star game. So there's that, but... Yeah, i definitely go with CJ. Yeah, those are some good names you bring up, too. And I would have to agree that CJ McCollum is probably the best player in the league to not have an all-star appearance. I'm excluding Zion Williamson, who hardly played before the all-star break this year. And John Morant's got unbelievable potential, which we're going to talk about in a second. But it's kind of hard for me to – you know, he has such a small sample size of games, uh, whereas CJ has been – doing it for years and proven that he can show up in the clutch moments. Yeah, and that was crazy to me when you, I didn't even realize, I don't think that he hadn't made an all-star. That's ridiculous. Someone yeah, when you think him. about the Western conference and their guards, you got yeah, Steph, I mean, you got Clay, uh, you got Harden. Yep. So, I mean, on some level it makes sense, but I agree. CJ McCollum, I've always been really impressed with his work ethic and, serious improvement and also his marksmanship both on and off the court seems like a really level-headed dude and a really good dude so I would love to see him get an all-star appearance at some point but yeah he's he probably is the best player to me that hasn't made the all-star game so another interesting headline is that the Raptors are still pretty legit without Kawhi Leonard And it seems like the Raptors have lost literally every single playoff opener I've ever seen in my lifetime. 
So I decided to search for the truth. And it turns out that the Raptors are 4-15 and all-time in Game 1 of a playoff series. And that they have indeed lost 10 consecutive playoff openers. I feel like a lot of those were probably on their home floor. So even the championship team, by the way, even the championship team lost Game 1 at home to the Magic because DJ Augustine iced them <laughs> with a dagger three, yeah. which was hilarious. So, crazy. meanwhile, the Raptors this year, they sweep the Nets. They don't even have any Game 1 woes. To me, that's kind of scary on some level. Maybe I'm just a weird little stat geek, superstitious kind of person. But, Zach, what are yeah. your thoughts on the Raptors? I think the Raptors are really legit. I, I was very surprised that they lost Kawhi and maybe even better without him than they were with him. I just want to give a quick shout-out to Spicy P, Pascal Siakam. He's one of my favorite players. Uh, in the NBA right now, and I think he's clearly one of the most improved players in the game. Yeah, Spicy uh, P, totally a rising star, and yeah. he showed that with his high-level Game 1 performance in the NBA Finals last year, which made yeah. me a little bit sad, but it's always good to see young talent rising too. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the Raptors, definitely not to be counted out, and I think it's clear how well-coached they are, and you know, Nick Nurse has created such a good culture there. My favorite thing about Nick Nurse, by the way, is that he has a hat that says NN. Huh. Like you want to, you should just walk around with a hat that says Z-H. CH. Yeah, ZH. Maybe I'll maybe I'll get that custom, <laughs> custom fitted. If the Raptors win the championship, I'll buy an NN hat. How about that? I, I'll I'll match you with that. Okay, good. It's a deal. It's a deal. So Nurse didn't he win Coach of the Year? Uh, was Coach of the Year even announced yet? I don't I don't know actually. I think he might have just – yeah, he did. He did. He should. Yeah, good. Because I was going to say, everyone was saying Taylor Jenkins of Memphis, and no discredit to him, but you kind of got to make the playoffs to be in that conversation. No? No, I agree. Uh, let's get to the best game of the playoffs so far. Best game of the bubble, honestly, which was game four of Clippers versus Mavericks. Did you watch this one live? I did. I watched uh, I watched a little bit of the first half and then all the fourth quarter. It was an insane game. Okay, I watched probably, what, 24 minutes and a half? I want to say I watched the last 20 minutes of the game, yeah. so I missed a little bit of the start of the second half. But yeah. I saw on my phone that the Clippers were up 54-33 early second quarter, and I was like, oh, this game sucks. Yeah. I knew Porzingis wasn't playing, and I knew Luka was playing on a hobble ankle, so... It's about what I expected, and all of a sudden my roommate tells me, oh, yeah, it's a four-point game. And I was like, whoa, 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 what? So we turn it on, and the Mavs just come roaring back, and they took the lead late third quarter. The fourth quarter was insane. It was back and forth, as you know. Luka drives inside with a great spin move to put the Mavs up 132 to 130, giving him the lead in overtime. But then our friend Marcus Morris Sr., Drains the corner three to put the Clippers back up one with like nine seconds left or something. Uh, then the Clippers use their foul, and Luca has about four seconds to work with off the inbound and just nails a step back 28 footer over Reggie Jackson at the buzzer to even the series. How yeah. fucking badass was that? That was that was sick. Uh, that was one of the greatest shots I've ever watched live. It reminded me of Dame's. 
uh, 30-plus footer uh, over Paul George last year from the logo. Um, I, though I think that game was tied, so this one might have even been better because they were down one, I believe. They um, were they were down uh, they were down one, and actually, that's funny you bring that up because when I've seen like top plays of the decade or any kind of ranking of plays, mm-hmm. people rank Lillard's second shot, the one over Paul George, higher than the first one, and mm-hmm. I am a believer that the first one was greater than the second one yeah, I, for I, a couple I, of reasons. I, Number one, they were losing. And so if he missed, they would have to go to Houston on the road and play game seven. And number two is that he had 0.9 seconds to get that one off, whereas Mm -hmm. this one he had a long time to set it up. Of course, it was pretty unbelievable what he did. It got him to 50 points on the night. It was an insanely deep shot, but I'm still a lover of that first one. Yeah, I agree. I think making a a game winner when you're down is definitely a a different ball game. It is it is a different ball game for sure. And by the way, had he missed that shot, the series would be over now. So, but hey, game six happening today. We'll see if the Mavericks can force it to seven without yeah. Porzingis. Yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm rooting for him. I'm not a big Clippers fan, but I think it's going to be really tough without without Porzingis. I would agree with your opinion about L.A. basketball teams. Yeah. Bay Area for life, baby. So in that game, Luca had 43, 17, and 13. Also became the youngest player ever to have a buzzer beater in a playoff game. How good is he already? Like, how good is this guy? Would you say top 10? Would you even say top five? I'd put him in the top 10. I, I can't give him the title of top five quite yet, but I think he's definitely put himself up there. I mean, he averaged, what, 29? 11 and 10 this year, second year in the league. He's like, he's like our age and he's, <laughs> he's already up there. He's been playing pro ball for years. He played in Europe. So he knows what he's, he definitely has that veteran experience, even though he's so young, he knows how to compete with, with these uh, professional athletes. And he's, he's amazing. I'm also so impressed with how poised he was in that really high pressure situation. By the way, that guy's six weeks older than I am. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. I'm like, this dude's like, Barely older than me. <laughs> yeah, so do you feel like an underachiever yet? Because I certainly <laughs> totally. do. I look at him and I look at me, I'm like, what? what's going on? This guy's 6'7", 230, and he's, he's saucing on the best players in the NBA in his second year. <laughs> uh, I would agree with you that I don't think I could say he's top five yet, but he definitely is top 10 for me. I was doing my top basketball players with my yeah. house the other day, and yeah, I had a pretty definitive ball. nine – and that 10 spot was kind of up for grabs. And then about a day later, I was like, no, it's definitely Luca. Because I had yeah. LeBron, Steph, KD. Yep. No order, by the way. No particular order. KD, yeah, I, I agree. LeBron, Steph, KD, Anthony Davis, Giannis, Harden, Giannis. Um, Kawhi, Jokic, yeah. Lillard, and Luca. Yeah, I like that list. No specific order, you said, right? No specific order. Yeah, yeah. I still think LeBron's the best player in the league until someone dethrones him. But yeah, I got to put a healthy Steph and a healthy KD in there. And obviously Giannis. Uh, I James think KD pre-Achilles was the best player in the world. I think which so I know is a little bit of a hot take, but when yeah, I was I watching what he was doing, I was like... It was insane. Yeah, Seven, no, this guy right now is the best. Yeah, I mean, healthy KD. We'll see what he does when he comes back, but 
I believe he was back to back finals MVP. Was that right? He was back to back finals yeah. MVP, though I kind of wish that Steph right. got that second one. Yeah, I do too. We'll take the championship, though. Yeah, definitely. Three and five isn't bad. Three and five's not bad at all. We were quite spoiled for some time. Yes, we were. And hopefully we'll continue to be spoiled. Uh, yeah, we'll see what happens in the Wiggins era. I'm going to miss going to games at Oracle, though. That's that's for sure. There is nothing like Oracle. No, no. I love that. I love that arena. <laughs> Much more accessible, too. I, I've been to the Chase Center once, and it, it's cool. It's nice, but it doesn't have the same the same feel for me. Not yet, at least. No, I don't know if it ever can, to be honest. Yeah. So, Luca's obviously insane, but there's a lot of young stars under the age of 25 right now, uh-huh. such as John ja Morant, Zion, you got Jason Tatum, you got Devin Booker, you got Trey Young, you got Donovan Mitchell, and you got Carl Anthony Towns, and probably some more. But that's yeah, just definitely few. Out there, but that's a pretty good list to start with. Yeah, that's a great list to start with. Uh, the league, the future of the league is in good hands. Yes. And Zach, I got to ask you, which young star do you start a franchise with? You know, I'm going to go with Luca. after what I've seen in this playoffs. I think Luca's the surest bet. Uh, if I was a GM and I was starting a team, I would probably go with Luca. But I think this isn't really a hot take, but I think that Zion has by far the highest ceiling. What he did in... I don't know how many games he played, probably 30 or 40 games uh, was insane. I was watching my day or watching his debut with some of my friends and his talents are crazy. So I'd say Zion has potential to be the best of the bunch. Uh, And I think Jaws obviously going to be great, but those are probably my two Luca and and Zion. Although I do think that Jason Tatum in the next five years is going to be a top five player in the league. He's, I think he's really talented. Yeah, Jason Tatum's been super impressive, and he's playing with a great young core and obviously a great coach too. So I think he's in a great spot in Boston right now. I'm sorry to be so boring to anybody listening to this, but I also will have to take Luka. That's the answer for me, and it's because, like you said, he was a sure bet, and we've already seen so much out of him. He has proven he can play in the big moments. He's proven he's got an insane vision when Dallas decided to start running the offense through his hands, they became a completely different team. Um, He's also incredibly poised in the big moments, like we just mentioned. And so that's probably who I would build a franchise around. He's also seems like he's got a really, uh, he's really smart and, you know, doesn't get into a lot of trouble. Seems like a good young man. But like we said, Zion has transcendent talent. Like when I'll watch him play for those little five minute spurts, I was like, Jesus, this guy's the real deal. And He's I hope he can play longer spurts of minutes next year because. So do I. Yeah, I just want him. My thing with Zion is if he can just be a little bit more mobile on defense and kind of yeah. getting his conditioning up. He actually said this week that he's really working on getting his I body mean. where it needs to be. So. He's got his eye on the prize, but yeah, yeah. If Zion could just be a little bit more mobile and a little bit more effective on defense, I, I mean, God, I'm kind of scared to see what that guy can do. Yeah, I mean, the guy's what six six, six seven, two ninety, loses like ten pounds maybe, and gets a little more mobile. 
uh, I think, and he maybe develops his shot a little more. I think he could be really scary. He already is. I mean, he was shooting like 55 from the field in his rookie season, averaging 20 points. That's pretty, that's pretty crazy. Yeah. And when he gets above the rim, there's fucking nobody who's going to stop that. So, but I also, I'm extremely impressed with John Morant. I know their season didn't end quite the way that Memphis fans wanted, but I truly believe that he can be an MVP one day. I think he is that good. I was on it pretty early. And yeah, speaking of having a good vision like Luca, like that guy when he's on the floor can he makes the people around him better without putting up good numbers necessarily. So that guy's special. Definitely. He's got a handle, but he's he's like Russell Westbrook athleticism in terms of getting to the rim, being a six three guard. Yeah, totally. So yeah, those are some of the main headlines i mean obviously we could go on for hours talking about this but i want to get into a little more opinionated stuff this is something you like so in terms of something i've liked in the bubble so far uh there's actually been a lot of things but i would have to pick the playoff success of jamal murray because i've also been an advocate for jamal murray and stuck up for him a lot A lot of Lakers fans hate him, and I'm surrounded by a lot of Lakers fans, so I always stick up for Jamal. I mentioned in episode two when talking about Chris Middleton that playoff basketball is different. And in an elimination game for his team, Jamal Murray took over, scored 33 in the second half and 42 in the game just to keep his team alive. He also took over in game one of overtime, and he also scored 50 in the game four loss to the Jazz. So he's proving that he can play in the playoffs. He has extreme potential and a killer mentality. And if he can elevate his game like he has on a regular basis, then the Denver Nuggets are for real because they have a top 10 player in Nikola Jokic and the best passing big man in the game right now. (laughs) Maybe ever. I'm sure all the uh, the older people would have a little bit of clapping back with uh, some history at you, but... They're not here to do it right now. Not right now. Maybe maybe later my dad will will tell me what's what's really going on, but <laughs> Well, yeah, we as he has it. said on many occasions, I am right and you are wrong. Yeah, definitely. I've heard that one too many times. Haven't we all? Yeah, I think with our dads that's definitely something something we get more than the average person. Yeah, I would uh sadly I would have to agree. But that is something I like. Zach, what have you liked? I really like Jalen Brown's development this year and his performance in the bubble. Uh, We watched him play at Cal, and he was a phenomenal athlete, but he didn't quite put it all together, it felt like. Uh, And then obviously he was picked third in the draft, and he's kind of steadily improved each season. And he's really developed for the Celtics. With Gordon Hayward getting injured, he's really stepped up and – made a lot of huge shots and the Celtics are looking really dangerous to me. Uh, so I, yeah, Jalen Brown would have to be the, the one thing I've liked the most about the bubble in the playoffs uh, in general. Jalen Brown has been a lot of fun to watch, uh, but that NCAA tournament game against Hawaii when he was at Cal is something I would like to permanently erase from my memory. Yeah, that was a tough one. But it's been fun to see him succeed in the NBA, you know? Right, yeah, um, his been cool. And I also like how he's using his voice right now. He's been super, super vocal about the Black Lives Matter movement and 
seems yeah. really smart and educated and very willing to bring about change and use his platform and not back down. So I have a lot of respect to Jalen Brown for that right there. And I think a fun fact here is that he was the president or the captain of his chess club in high school, which I didn't know. <laughs> that is correct. Great yeah. fun fact. Yeah. So that's that's pretty cool too. Multifaceted. Good at basketball and dirty at chess. Yeah, I mean, what more could you want? So we talked about things we like. However, nothing is perfect. And there's got to be something that you dislike, right? I mean, I mean, I don't know. You tell me. Yeah, uh, something I disliked would definitely be uh, Marcus Morris maybe intentionally stepping on Luca's injured ankle. Um, I did see that he came out and uh, aggressively denied the allegations. But to me, it looked pretty intentional. And I thought it was kind of a classless thing, even if it wasn't totally intentional it just didn't it gave me a weird feeling uh i don't like attacking guys injuries like that and just the the way the series was going it seemed like it was getting a little chippy in each and every game um so i just yeah i didn't really like that um yeah that was definitely the thing for me and the clippers are probably slowly rising on my list of most hated teams but they're still completely behind the rockets because i can't stand james harden I don't like the way he plays. Uh, I respect that he's a good player, but I, I don't like watching him. And, <laughs> yeah. The Clippers are really fucking annoying. I'm slowly losing my uh, – I'm, I'm developing a less and less favorable opinion of Paul George after that yeah. <laughs> trash talk to Damian Lillard. And talk, if the Clippers cool. win the championship, everyone's going to start acting like Kawhi is, like, the third best player of all time. Yeah. Kawhi winning another another finals would I don't mind Kawhi, but I definitely I definitely don't want to see that. <laughs> yeah, I don't either. And That's the true. only thing that Kawhi is top three in right now is being funnest guy in the league. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, the Marcus Morris thing was a little bit suspicious. I don't wanna say whether I think he was doing it intentionally or not, but it is weird that the Clippers make a shot, he starts running back on defense changes his direction, and then just kind of, like, goes over to the foot of Luca. Like, yeah, extends his foot to step on him. Look, I'm not saying it was intentional, but if it wasn't, it was a pretty bad coincidence. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Not a good look either. No. Uh, I have something I dislike as well. So, Paul Pierce is the worst former player analyst on TV. But Kendrick Perkins is a close second, and that guy drives me fucking insane. Yeah. So after Giannis Antetokounmpo receives the one-game suspension for headbutting Mo Wagner on the Wizards, uh, Perkins said that he got the star treatment and that anyone else would have been suspended two games and how it was unfair. But wait for it. He also tweeted, so we all going to ignore that fact Giannis Headbutted somebody, huh? Boy, let LeBron do some shit like that, and people would be talking about how his legacy is on the line. Carry on. So it's like, wait, wait, wait. So now you're complaining about him not getting the superstar treatment because he's not getting enough attention, and we're not talking about his legacy. And by the way, that's a stupid argument because yeah, anytime I don't LeBron does anything, including like 
holding a birthday party for his kids. Yeah, of course people are going to pay more attention to it. Like, I feel like half the things Kendrick Perkins says, he's just like trying to have a hot take and sound cool. But to me, it sounds like he's talking out of his ass. Yeah, he definitely does a lot of talking out of his ass. Um, and I'd agree that he's probably the second worst former player analyst on TV. Although Paul Pierce was a great player. So I think he has a little bit more of a leg to stand on. Uh, Kendrick Perkins was not a great, not great. <laughs> Could play some D, but yeah, I think they both come out with some pretty ridiculous takes. <laughs> that you want to know the best part of that whole Giannis headbutt take, though? What's what's that? Guess who got a one-game suspension for headbutting Tyreek Evans in a oh. game back in 2012? Was it Kendrick Perkins? Oh my god, it was Kendrick fucking Perkins. Oh my god. So, yeah, that's uh, – I don't know. Look, there's not a lot that I haven't liked about the NBA since it returned in the bubble, but Kendrick Perkins is most definitely included in that small package of things I dislike. Yeah, I agree with that. It's just good to have basketball back. It is good to have basketball back, and it's good to see that they are using their voices and standing up for what they believe in. And what I would say is right. Yep, definitely. On a side, so we got something we like. We got something we dislike. We got some hot takes as well. Zach, do you have a hot take about the NBA, whether it's short or long term? I do actually. It's kind of a two-parter. Um, my hot take is that the Heat will upset the Bucks in this Eastern Conference semifinals, and that Giannis will force his way out of Milwaukee in the next two years. That's wow, my hot. a pair of hot takes. Yeah. It'll be kind of a result of playoff. Uh, I think it could be a KD type situation where he's on a good team, but he goes somewhere, maybe Golden State, hopefully. Probably not. That's more of a fan theory. But I think that Giannis probably forced his way out of Milwaukee after not getting it done in the playoffs for a couple more years. So you think a championship must be obtained? It is a necessity. I think so. He's too good. He's too good not to win. Yeah, well, we'll see about that. And you said uh, the Heat upsetting the Bucks. And yeah, I really like the Heat. I, I do. So, G-Bucks. what is it about the Heat that you like? Is it you think they're well coached? Do they play as a team? Do yeah, you- yeah, I think they're well coached. And back when uh, LeBron, D Wade, and Chris Bosh were doing their thing with the Heat, I sort of dismissed Eric Spolstra as just a an average coach with great players. But I was definitely wrong about that. I think he's one of the best coaches in the league. And he's really like rebuilt that roster. Uh, I like their, they got great shooters. Duncan Robinson, Tyler Hero is a good young player. Bam Adebayo has been really good this year. Jimmy Butler, obviously, that was a huge addition. And it just feels like their team's gelled. Their chemistry uh, has kind of come together. I know Jimmy Butler has a reputation for not being the easiest guy to play with, but uh, I think he's proved that he's, I'd say, a top 20 player in the league, uh, maybe top 25. And yeah, I just I like their odds. I think they can match up with the Bucks. I might see like a Adebayo Giannis uh, battle on the low block. Yeah, Bam was an All Star this year, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, he was. I think he was. And he might win Most Improved Player if Brandon yeah. Ingram doesn't. So yep. he's, he's come along nicely. And, yeah, I like the leadership of the Heat. I think Jimmy Butler has been a great tone setter. And when I was scrolling through random social media pages the other day because 
I get really bored during a global pandemic. Yes. Yes, uh, I saw something that was like, a good point guard isn't pass first or score first. It's win first. And then I had a picture of Goran Dragic. And I was uh-huh. like, ooh, yeah, that's kind of true. I was like, I like Goran, you know? He's, yeah, I like he's Goran. a solid player and he's been solid for a long, long time. Yeah, definitely. I forgot to add him in there, which is one of the one of the reasons I like the Heat. But yeah, they've got a solid balanced roster. They added our boy uh, Andre Iguodala. Group economics is what it says on the back of his jersey, which is by far the most obscure phrase I've seen. I didn't even I hadn't seen that. That's that's funny. Check out number twenty eight group economics for the Miami Heat. Yeah, I'll look that up. Yeah, he's gonna add some veteran some veteran defensive presence. Championship pedigree. And finals MVP leadership, might I add. Forgot about that. I will never forget. I will never forget that in my entire life, what he did for us in 2015. It was awesome. Under 40%. That's all you can really do. Yeah. I mean, he's the only guy that could even remotely stop him that series. He still dropped 40, but it was inefficient 40. Would have been 80 if someone else was on him. Yeah. I have a hot take as well. And it's a little more long-term than yours. Uh But I know we've done a lot of Luka praising in this episode. I would like to say that the Mavericks have a championship in them sometime during the next five, six years. Mm -hmm. And I know the Western Conference is very tough. But... As we mentioned a couple times, Luca is poised to play in the big moments. If Porzingis can stay healthy, because they do need a second star if they're going to get there. Yeah. Um, I like Rick Carlisle a lot. Uh, they got to get better at defense. That is definitely their weakness. And, you know, against the Clippers, I feel like they're undermatched in multiple positions, which is tough. But they kind of remind me of the young Warriors when they were starting to get good and get in the playoffs. And Steph was clearly their guy. And they were getting close. Like, remember when they lost to the Clippers in seven in L.A.? And Steph played a great game. But, like, Clay just wasn't really there yet. And then when Kerr got there, Clay all of a sudden went from a young guy with some good talent to, like, a really, really fucking good player. Yeah. Insane two-way player too. His defense doesn't get talked about enough. He steps and steps obviously great, and but I think Clay taking on the other team's best guard on defense definitely helps Steph stay fresh and get a lot of shots that he probably wouldn't be able to get. Yeah, I know they've needed both of them. It's one of the best duos I've ever seen in my lifetime. The the Splash Brothers will have a place in my heart for the rest of my life. Like they will many natives of the Bay Area. So, yeah, I mean, I mean, we'll see. By the way, Mark Jackson talks about his defense plenty. So you may (laughs) say his defense doesn't get talked about enough. But if you're Mark Jackson, then you're fine. You're okay. You don't need to talk about it more. I like that hot take though. Mavs, Mavs definitely could get it done. Mavs can get it done. They can get it done. Yep. We are approaching... The last little chunk of this episode, uh, we got a couple of big boy questions in this week, which is exciting. We always love getting our big boy questions for a couple of big boys. Uh, this first one, going back to the political side of things, 
Zach, I'm going to ask you first, which Trump associates imprisonment, parentheses, excluding Donald, would bring you the most pleasure? Oh, yeah, I'd said I'm probably going to go with Jared Kushner. (laughs) He has a really good one, really punchable face. uh, (laughs) And yeah, I would not mind seeing his imprisonment. And I also wonder if he ever feels like the other guy in his marriage to Ivanka. I think we've all heard and seen the extremely questionable stuff that Trump has said about his daughter. Uh, and so, yeah, I wonder if Kushner ever gets jealous that he's not as close to Ivanka as her creepy father. <laughs> I don't know. What do you think about it? What are your oh, I, I couldn't agree more. I think schmuck is a nice word. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I don't know. He's probably got to feel a little bit weird. Like if I ever get married, I would definitely like to feel like I'm the man in that person's yeah. world. Right. And not have a little bit of insecurity there. By the way, Jared and Ivanka are the worst Jews. <laughs> I agree with that. Yeah, fuck Jared, dude. I, I mean, yeah, if he gets put behind bars at some point, <laughs> I will not shed a tear. Let's no. put it that way. No. Um, I will take – I don't know if he's necessarily a Trump associate, but I'm assuming this is anybody who's enabled him along the way. I would like to take Mitch McConnell, the majority leader of the U.S. Senate, because he has enabled Donald for four long years, and he's had absolutely zero integrity along the way. The Supreme Court is going to be damaged for years because of his stupid face, and he makes me hate turtles because he looks exactly like one. So Mitch is a bitch, and if that guy gets behind bars, I will not only not shed a tear, I may crack a little smile. (laughs) Tear of joy, just one singular one singular tear. Yeah, I know. I actually also wouldn't mind seeing Lindsey Graham behind bars, uh, also known as Lady G for those who may or may not be aware of his side hobbies. Yeah, that's a good one too. Both of those are valid. <laughs> Lindsey Buckingham greater than Lindsey Graham. Oh, I'll leave it at that. Ooh, we got another big boy question. Yeah. And – Damn, I guess I'll start on this one. Who is your favorite TikToker and why is it Addison Ray? Um, okay, well, first of all, this question is obviously very heartfelt to me. Uh, sorry, just I had to do it. I had to do it. Uh, Addison yeah, Ray is a bad bleep, but yeah. my favorite TikToker is actually Ryan Clark. Okay. Uh, not the best, not the worst, Ryan Clark favorite tiktoker and it's not even close but i also love not clay and larry scott uh even though they put on the same act every time i love it with my whole heart every single time and it wouldn't be fair of me to not shout out my first love on tiktok which is aaron hole all right for me um you know i somehow made it to september of 2020 without ever downloading tiktok and I kind of intend to keep it that way. Uh, I guess that makes me less not hip. But uh, yeah, I just was never really a big TikTok guy. So I can't really speak about it. You're such TikTok. a better person than I am. <laughs> yeah, maybe so. Um, although I have seen some of Addison Ray's videos and I have seen a couple of her TikToks. And I can confirm that she's a bad bleep. So I'll go, I'll go with Addison Ray. Kind of a, a softball answer. but You see her video of... Or sorry, her mom's video of doing the WAP dance. No, I didn't actually. 
Oh man, quite the video it was. Quite the video, I'll, I'll check it out. Yeah, I don't typically uh, enjoy watching videos of Addison Ray's mom, but sometimes yeah. they get sent to me via text message, and I yeah. feel compelled right. to click the link it's because hard I am weak and I have fallen down the TikTok rabbit hole through. Oh, the rabbit hole, yeah. Yeah, so hopefully I, I will never download TikTok, but if I do, I'll let you know. Hey, before we do shout out to shout out to Zach Haywood for never downloading TikTok. What a good human being he is. China's not taking your data away. Nope, no sir. But now let's really get in to shout out to. Uh, wow, we can give a lot of shout outs in this NBA edition episode, but. Zach, why don't you go first? What you got? Uh, I want to give a shout out, a quick shout out to J.R. Smith for being probably the most clueless player in the league still somehow, catching an inbound pass and attempting a shot from about a foot out of bounds last night against the Blazers. That was pretty funny to watch, and it was just kind of classic J.R. Um, yeah, so I gave him a quick little shout out for providing some entertainment, lightening it up a little bit. Um, and then I actually gave another shout out to LeBron for being 14 and 0 in opening playoff rounds, which I didn't know. Uh, and I know LeBron gets, is, gets a lot of hate, a lot of slander, but, uh, I think he's been pretty good about leading some of these, uh, social justice causes. And I just thought it was amazing. He's never lost in the first round and 14 and 0 is pretty impressive. So yeah, those are my two. Yeah. And with LeBron, like, Obviously, I had a real phase of anger toward him during that Warriors-Cavs rivalry. But in all seriousness, I can't thank him enough for what he's done on the social justice front and how he's used his voice and been so vocal. And not just being vocal, but taking a lot of action. I mean, the NBA announced that every arena is going to be a voting space, which is so cool because that's a way for people to – keep distance. It's a big space and they can vote safely and it's accessible. So seriously, LeBron, shout out to your 14 and 0, but more importantly, shout out to the fact that you've used your voice and refused to back down. Um, it, it is really touching to see. I respect 100%, 100%. While we're on serious shout outs, um, we lost a couple of greats you know, recently. Um, Obviously, shout out to the Black Panther, Chadwick Boseman. Yeah. That was really tough news to swallow. Um, you know, sending thoughts to your family. Shout out to Lute Olson, uh, a prominent figure in the career of my favorite basketball coach, Steve Kerr. Yeah. Um, lost them both this year. Uh, you know, obviously, 2020 has been tough, but so much of the problems out there are not exclusive to 2020. Um, I also want to shout out all the firefighters and first responders all across California who have been handling the wildfire situation because the air quality has been tough and California is a great state, but what they're doing right now is not easy work. Not at all. Yeah. Great shout outs there and rest in peace to Chadwick Boseman and Lute Olson. And we also lost Clifford Robinson too. Yeah, true. Um, uh, on a less serious note, I would also like to shout out Febreze because the new fresh spiced apple scent 
has transformed my room into a desirable location. So fuck yeah, Febreze. Yeah, it was a little uninhabitable when I visited. So maybe I'll, I'll come back down and maybe I'll be able to, to stay a little longer with the Febreze. Yeah, no, you definitely will because it's been a complete life changer. And seriously, go get that fresh spice apple scent. And if you don't oh, like it, then yeah, sure. <laughs> then fuck, I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, maybe I'm just wrong. You got any final shout outs? Um, well, we wanted to do a little shout out to Jim Everett for tackling Jim Rome. I think about 30 years ago. <laughs> uh, for anyone not familiar, Jim Rome uh, was kind of mocking Jim Everett, uh, ex-quarterback or past quarterback for the uh, LA Rams. And he had a reputation for kind of shying away from hits and t- uh, sacks. So Jim Rome decided to have him on the show and mock him to his face by calling him Chris Everett, the famous tennis female tennis player. Uh, so he, he kept calling him Chris throughout the interview to kind of get under his skin and was kind of being an asshole about it. And Jim Everett warned him, if you say that one more time, like we're gonna have to take a we're gonna have to take a break from the show. He pretty much made it clear, and Rome, being the idiot that he is, said it again, and <laughs> Everett threw the table and tackled him on set, which is all recorded. So just a shout out to Jim Everett for shutting up Jim Rome. Well, I don't know if Jim Rome was that much of an idiot because it certainly got him some attention and helped his career out a little bit. Yeah, that's true. Um, but yeah, actually Frank Caliendo did a video this year because the 26th anniversary of that show just passed and he was impersonating Jim Rome saying, uh, it's been the 26th year anniversary of when Jim Everett came onto my show and absolutely pummeled me. And he goes, Jim, I just want to apologize. If you come on the show again, I will call you Jim every single time, Chris. And yeah, it was just that was pretty awesome. Uh, Frank Caliendo just fucking killed it. So Frank Caliendo's the man. He does he does some great impressions. Yeah, knock on wood if you're with me. <laughs> um, our time is up for today. Thank you for joining us on this vast discussion of basketball, which included a little splash of politics and even TikTok. Reminder that if you want to submit any big boy questions for future episodes, go to pottytrainme.com and click the yellow chat icon on the bottom right corner. JJ and I would love to hear from you. Big thanks to my longtime friend, Zach Haywood. Dude, I think I'll have to have you back on now. Yeah, anytime, man. Thanks for having me. This was really fun. Yeah, of course. Uh, Don't get too comfortable off the mic because I'll be dragging you back. Oh, absolutely. We'll be back for more soon. Hang in there, stay true to yourself, and make sure you are registered to vote. Seriously, do it right now. Like, right now. Catch you on the flip. Peace.